0: Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, if you're using one of our Bibles, that's page 735. If you need a Bible, uh, please feel free to grab one off the bar or uh, one of the communion tables in the room, Uh, we'll be on page 735. Uh, Before we uh, jump into what we're going to be doing together, I kind of just want to take a moment uh, just to to say thank you. Uh, I know a lot of you were here last week, and if you are here last week, you remember Dave got up here and embarrassed my wife and I and kind of shared the news that we are in the process of adopting a baby. And um, we have just we've just felt so loved by all of you over the last week. Um, and I just wanted to take a minute on behalf of my wife and I just to say thank you. Thank you for uh, the many messages and uh, coming and talking to us and congratulating us for the financial support, for all the ways that you've encouraged us. We've just felt held up, supported, and loved by our church family. And um, it, makes me, it just makes me so excited for our church I know that there are many of you in here that have been down the adoption road and you've adopted already. There are some of you that are in the process of it and some who perhaps God is going to call you and invite you into that as well in the future. And it just makes me so excited to see our church family being a family that is celebrating and encouraging families, opening up their homes and their families to children who don't have homes and families. So thank you for being that kind of a church. Thanks for loving us so well and encouraging us so much. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, then we're going to kind of jump into what we have for this morning. Let's pray with one another. Father, thank you for um, this moment every Sunday. Thank you for this time uh, that you've given us to carve out of our week, to come and be with one another, to be in your presence, to to praise your name, to be reminded of who we are because of you. Thank you, Father, for the many ways that we do this with one another, for for the gift of music, that we get to express our hearts through song and uh, through words. Thank you for the gift of communion as we gather on the bread and the cup. Thank you for your word that we get to open and be reminded of who you are and what you're like and how much you love us. And uh, Father, thank you for letting us do this together. Lord, this morning, as we open your word, as we prepare our hearts for what you have for us, I just pray that you'd be here with us. Would you give us just that gift of, of your divine presence as we fellowship with one another uh, and as we gather before you? We invite you here, Lord. Would you encourage us where we need encouraging? Would you spur us on where we need to be spurred on? Would you inspire us where we need to be inspired? Lord, we invite you to come and have your way. You are the great shepherd. You know us, your sheep, and you know what we need before we ask. So Lord, we pray that you would come and be in our midst. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So for the past uh, 12, or I'm, I'm Aaron, by the way. I didn't even say my name when I got up here. I'm Aaron, if you don't know me. I'm one of the pastors here at Ethos. So glad that you are here with us. Uh, for the past 12 or 13 weeks or so, we've been in this series on, uh, that we've called it uh, Belonging and Becoming. And it's this, this idea of what it means for us as the church to be God's family, for us to function and to live and to be the family of God. And you know, one of the, the key things that brings families together is this idea of sitting around a table and sharing a meal. There are very few things that can bring people together with one another, like the shared food experience. I mean, you look over the last week, what has happened in our nation, where millions of people have come together with either friends or family around a table that has familiar and predictable uh, foods that are on the table that we all enjoy. Now, I know that all of us probably had mixed bag experiences over our Thanksgiving meal with our families. Sometimes that is a joyous thing and sometimes it is a stressful thing. But over the last week, all of us probably found ourselves drawn together with people around food because there's just something about sharing a meal that we all understand and relate to. We all know that we need it. We all know that we want it and we all come together to share that with one another. In the same way, One of the most central unifying acts for the people of God as a family is a meal. There's this meal that followers of Jesus have been sharing together for 2,000 years. And of course, you know, I'm talking about the Lord's Supper or communion or what some call the Eucharist. And we'll talk about what all those words mean here in a little bit, but it's just this tradition for the followers of Jesus, this place where we come around a table And we partake of some simple things that connect us with one another, that connect us with Jesus, and they connect us with our broader family, both in the past and those in the present and those in the future. You know, every week at Ethos, at the end of our sermon, we invite you to stand up and go get communion off one of these tables or off the bar, and to bring it back and to take it, you know, and what is happening in this moment? Is there something more that is going on besides eating this little piece of bread and drinking some grape juice from a plastic cup? What is it that we are engaging in? You know, this morning, I want our entire time together to be centered around understanding the significance of this meal that we share together, not just with one another in this room, but with our brothers and sisters around the world we're gonna take a closer look at the Lord's Supper. And as we do this, you should probably know I'm, I'm probably not gonna say anything that is entirely new to most of you. But you know, my goal this morning is not for us necessarily to learn something new, but for us to engage in a practice that is ancient. It's not to learn something new, but to do something that is old, do something together that unites us around the name of Jesus. And so to set up this whole thing, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 22. Uh, We're going to start in verse 14. Before we read that, I want to set the stage for you so you understand what's happening in this text that we're going to be reading. Uh, In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, it is the night before Jesus is about to die. The night before he knows he's about to go up on a cross and lay down his life. And he has sent the apostles ahead of him to prepare what he calls the Passover meal. The Passover meal was was a meal that the Israelite people, the Jewish people, would have at this point had been celebrating it for 1,500 years. It was this meal that every year they would come around this table and there'd be different things on the table, but it was just this meal that was meant to remind them of the Lord's faithfulness and this act of what God had done 1,500 years prior to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. And if you want to read that story, you can read about that in Exodus chapter 11 and 12, this amazing story where God comes in to the aid of his people who are being oppressed. And he works in mighty ways to bring them out of oppression and bring them out of slavery. And he gave them this meal so that every year they would gather around the table and they would remember that their God is faithful and that their God acts on their behalf, And Jesus, in this story, he gathers around this table with his 12 closest friends. They all sit around a table to participate in a meal that all of them had had every year of their life together and they knew what it was all about. But Jesus is going to do something radically different with this particular Passover meal. So let's look, starting in verse 14. Luke says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup, it is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And this is the word of the Lord in Luke 22. There's a lot going on here and a lot that we could talk about with the Lord's Supper, with this moment that Jesus kind of lays out for his followers. But I want us to look at just the two basic things. I want us to see the significance of what Jesus is accomplishing and what Jesus is doing. And then I want us to see the simplicity of what Jesus has done. So the significance of what he's done and the simplicity of what he's done. Now, that first point, we could spend weeks unpacking the significance of the Lord's Supper. And so uh, we're not gonna like deep dive into that, but I want you to see just a basic thing that the significance of what Jesus has done here with his followers, with these 12 men that are gathered around a table with him is that he has redefined the picture of God's faithfulness. You see, for 1,500 years, the Israelites had gathered around the Passover and the picture of God's faithfulness that they rallied around was the picture of God delivering them out of Egypt. And what Jesus is doing here at this meal, he says, hey, what's about to happen is going to totally redefine the picture of God's faithfulness. No longer will the primary expression of God's faithfulness be his delivery of the Israelites out of Egypt. No, now the primary picture of God's faithfulness will be Jesus, the son of God, God in the flesh, hanging on a cross for the forgiveness of a broken world that rejected him. He redefined completely the picture of God's faithfulness. And you remember the 12 apostles, they were all Jewish. They were all Israelites, So this was a promise that he was showing to them. He says, listen, for for God's chosen people, for the Israelites, the picture of my faithfulness is being changed, but there was something else that Jesus was doing. He was not just changing the picture of God's faithfulness for the Israelites, but he was also saying, listen, I'm opening a door for the goodnesses of God's promises to be open to all of humanity. In Matthew's account of this story, in Matthew chapter 26, He says that he takes the cup and he holds it out and he says, this is my blood that is poured out for you and it is poured out for many. We hear Jesus say himself in John chapter three where he says, listen, God so loved the world, the whole world that he gave his son that whoever believed in him would have eternal life with him. So we see what Jesus is doing here in this moment with this meal that has been a tradition for 1,500 years, he says, hey, listen, this meal is about to have a whole new meaning, and it's not just going to be for the Israelites, but it is going to be for all of humanity because God's family is now gonna become wide open because of what I'm about to do on the cross. And so the significance of this moment is the picture of God's faithfulness redefined and the doors into God's family kicked wide open because of the surrender of Jesus Christ. But I also love not just the significance, but the simplicity of what Jesus does here. You know, Jesus is sitting at a table and there would have been multiple elements of food on this table. The Passover meal had a lot of things involved in it, not just bread and wine. And yet what Jesus does is he takes two very simple things. He takes the bread and he takes this cup he calls the fruit of the vine. And he says, hey, listen, this bread... This is my body that is given for you. He says, hey, this cup, this is my blood that is poured out for you and poured out for many. And what's amazing is that Jesus in his wisdom, he chooses the most simple of emblems to help us remember. And for 2,000 years, the simplicity of this act has largely remained unchanged. That for 2,000 years, followers of Jesus all around the world have gathered around the simplicity of a piece of bread and a cup of the fruit of the vine, to remember Jesus and remember the redefining of God's faithfulness at the cross. With something so simple, Jesus would say, hey, let me show you how God wants to put his love on display for the world. A piece of bread and a cup of the fruit of the vine. You know, despite its simplicity, uh, the church followers of Jesus have still found ways to be divided and to argue about the Lord's Supper. I mean, it's the most simple thing that Jesus could have given us, you know, some bread, this is my body, a cup, this is my blood. And yet we still find ways to disagree and be divided on it, you know, even in what we call it. So there are some followers of Jesus who just call it the Lord's Supper. There are some who call it communion, which means this thing that we do together. It just means to be together. There are some who call it the Eucharist. And Eucharist is just a Greek word, which means to be thankful or to give thanks or thanksgiving. And so we might disagree on what to call it. Some disagree on whether or not communion should be open or closed. And so some believe that communion should be open to anyone who wants to come to the table of grace. And some believe that it should be closed off only for those who are part of that particular church body. There are people who argue over how frequently we should take the Lord's Supper. Some say we should take it once a week, some say once a month, some say once a quarter, some say once a year. There are people who argue over the order in which you should take it. Some people say, oh, you gotta take the bread first and then the cup. Some say, no, it's a cup, the bread, then the cup, just like Jesus did in Luke. There's all these different ways that people disagree about communion. They disagree on whether it's Jesus's physical presence with us when we take the bread and the cup, or whether it is a spiritual presence or a metaphorical presence. But this morning, what I want us to see is not to get caught up on all the ways that the church and followers of Jesus have found ways to disagree about communion. Instead, I want us to focus on the simplicity of what Jesus gave us, that as we come to the table of grace, As we come to the table with Jesus, he says, this is my body. There's only one body, there's only one. Now you may all have different preferences for how you practice this with one another, but there is only one body. And he says, as you take of this bread, you take of my body, you are part of my body. And as we take this this morning, we do this with all of those and the family of God who have come before us. We do this with all of those who are here today in this room and around the world, and we do this with all of those who will take it into the future. There's one body. As we take the bread, we partake of that one body. You know, there's only one Lamb of God whose blood was shed. This is what John the Baptist says about Jesus when he sees him for the first time. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This was a reference to the lamb that died to save the Israelites from death while they were in Egypt. And Jesus says, listen, there's only one lamb of God. This is my blood, my promise to you, my covenant with you. And then as we take this cup, regardless of the differences we may have had, we come together and we all receive the one promise of forgiveness and newness and life that is gained for us in Christ, voluntarily shedding his blood for us. And as we take it, we take it with all those who have gone before us. We take it with all those who are here today, around the world, and we take it with all those who will take it after us. And so here's what we're gonna do the rest of our time is gonna be centered around the bread and the cup. And to start this time, Will is gonna come up and lead us in a couple songs. And during this time, I just want you to let the lyrics and the words of these songs prepare your heart, prepare your mind for the bread and for the cup. After we sing these songs together, I'm gonna give us a simple framework with which to approach the table of grace with Jesus, some things to think about, and we will discuss those with one another, and then we'll finish our time together by taking the bread and the cups. Let's all stand with one another. Stand together as the body. I'm going to pray for us, and then let's sing these songs with one another. Lord, we come before you now, and we thank you for the gift of music, and for the way that through music you, you move us, and you speak to our mind, and our heart, and our body. And Lord, right now, as we reflect on the words to these songs, would you speak to us? Would you remind us of this beautiful gift, Jesus, that you've given us. Remind us of your promise. Remind us of the one body that we are all a part of. Remind us of the forgiveness that you offer in your blood. Unite us together now, Lord, in mind. Unite us in heart. Come, Lord, come as we worship you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. So as we get ready to come to the table, I want to give us just a simple framework with which to come, Uh, three basic things for us to think about. And those three things, they kind of revolve around this idea of past and present and future. So as we come to the table, first, we remember. We remember the past. Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this to remember me. And so when we come to the table and we get the bread and we get the cup, the first thing that we do is we fix our eyes on what has been accomplished for us. This is not a place where we have to come with our head held low in shame, but it is a place where we fix our eyes on Jesus who says, hey, no matter what kind of week you've had, no matter how your life has been going, I will take it all on myself. I have taken it all on myself. I've paid the price for you. I've laid down my life for you. And so as we come to the table, it's this place of remembering the sufficiency, the sufficiency of the cross, that the cross can handle whatever weight it is that you find yourself carrying. And so as we come to the table, we remember, we remember the cross, we remember what Jesus did there where he offers us love and grace, forgiveness and mercy. But communion in the Lord's Supper is also about the present. It's this place where we reflect on the now, and I think so much of that revolves around our identity. That as we come to the table, we reflect on who we are because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross. We remember at the table That we don't come to the table as strangers, but that because of Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. And that God calls us his beloved children, his beloved daughters, his beloved sons. So as we come to the table, we come in the posture of the father's kids, children of the king. And we come there, we understand that we have been given this identity, not because of our own efforts, but because of the grace of Jesus. And we remember that as we come to the table, we don't come alone. That I am a child of the King, but I am a brother to all those that are around me. That you are not just a daughter of the King, but you are a sister to all those that are around you. And so as we come to the table, we remember by fixing our eyes on Jesus fixing our eyes on the cross, but we reflect on who we are because of that. And here's one of the things that I love about communion so much, is that it is not just about what we do in this room, that as we take the bread, as we take the cup, as we reflect on this idea that we are children of God, we also understand that as we participate with the body of Jesus, that we actually become the body of Jesus. And this pushes us on mission, that as we leave this place, we understand that we embody the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. So that as the world needs to find an image of what perfect love looks like, they need to look only to his church, to his body. And so in the present, we reflect on who we are, children of God, brothers and sisters, and representatives of Christ in the world. But as we come to the table, we also look to the future. We anticipate Christ's return you know, Jesus promised us that he would return. and He promised us that when he returns, he will make all things new. He will repair all that is broken. He will wipe away every tear and he will mend every broken heart. And this is a promise that our world needs to be reminded of. It's a promise I need to be reminded of. In a world where every time you turn to your newsfeed, you expect to see another mass shooting if you watch the news over the weekend, you see 300 plus people, innocent people, just killed mercilessly in Egypt in a world that seems to be marked more by anxiety and stress than by rest and by peace. We anticipate the return of Jesus who promises to make all things right. The one who accomplished everything at the cross will return to make all things new. And so as we come to the table, we remember, we fix our eyes on the cross We reflect on who we are in Jesus and we anticipate the return of Jesus. And as we anticipate, we hold on to hope because what the world needs is hope. And so this thing that we do every Sunday, it's not just a plastic cup and a piece of bread. It is a place where we remember, we reflect on who we are and we anticipate all that will be because of the sufficiency of Jesus. I wanna give us uh, just something to reflect on with one another before we go to the table. So I'm gonna give you a real simple question just to talk about with those that are sitting around you. You can get in groups of uh, of two to five and and talk about this question with one another. But I'd love for us to spend some time before we actually come to the table answering this simple question. What is happening in this season of your life? Or maybe what has happened in this season a week of your life that leaves you needing to be reminded of Christ's work of your identity and of his return where in your life are you needing to be reminded of Christ's work your identity in his return. So we're gonna have that question up on the screen and we're gonna turn on some music. And I just encourage you just to turn to those that are sitting around you. You can turn your chairs if you need to and get in a small circle. We'll have to put them all back when we're done, but that's okay. Let's just turn, let's discuss with one another. Where are you needing to be reminded of Christ's work, of your identity in Christ's return?